0: Welcome to the What Leaders Need Now podcast. I'm Andrea Chilcote, executive coach, leadership student, and author of What Leaders Need Now. I am absolutely delighted to have Kia Painter, Chief People Officer of Cox Communications. I've known Kia for a number of years, and I've seen her through many roles at Cox. I'm going to read her bio and then Kia, I'm gonna ask you to fill in some of the details because this does not do you justice for all the things that you've done. Kia Painter is executive vice president and chief people officer for Cox Communications. In this role, she's responsible for leading the development and execution of talent strategy that aligns with Cox operating principles and long range business objectives for continual growth in the rapidly evolving business. She joined Cox in 1998 as part-time HR assistant in Cox Hampton Roads after completing undergraduate studies at James Madison University. For the past 25 years, she has risen through the ranks and led people functions throughout Cox regions and markets in the Southeast, notably in Virginia, Florida, and Louisiana. In 2015, she joined the corporate HR team and established employee experience and organization design practices. In 2022, she was appointed to the chief people officer role. When she's not at Cox looking for ways to create career opportunities and experiences for employees, she spends her time reading and looking for new things to learn. She's truly a lifetime learner. She's a native of Norfolk, Virginia and currently resides in Georgia. Kia, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to have you here.
1: I'm so excited to be here too, Andrew. And yes, we have known each other for years. So yeah. this, this is going to be so fun. I'm looking forward yeah. to our conversation.
0: Good. Let's have fun. So I I said before, I'd like you to kind of fill in the blanks here. Can you, can you tell us more of a personal story of your leadership journey? What drove you from an HR assistant to this role as chief people officer of this, this organization?
1: Honestly, it's, it really is this just desire to help people learn, you know, before I got into the world of business, I wanted to be a teacher because I was really fascinated about helping people learn because I like to learn. Um, but then once I got a job and I, I went to college, I'm like, Hey, I really want to be in business. I got into human resources and i didn't know about what all was in re- in human resource until until i got an opportunity to spend some time doing different things and so i started as a recruiter but then i learned about how you could get into learning and development how you could spend some time working alongside the business helping them figure out how to leverage the talents of your employees to really help you grow the business and i thought mm, there's really something on to this But to really excel my career, I really had to also take on things that were really uncomfortable for me. If you've worked, spent any any amount of time with me, you know about my love-hate relationship with mathematics. But the world is changing. The world changed around me. And we saw at a period of time, HR leaders, employees alike, needing to be just more data centric. Just look how the world is evolving right now. And so in order for me to even dream about getting to this chair, I had to embrace and take on roles that put me directly into learning to embrace what I feared the most, which was having to do math on a regular basis. So I had a great leader who said, you can do this. I have faith in you. Go figure it out. And so I took on roles in compensation, employee engagement to really help me build my skill and a couple of years later, here I am being able to do the dream job that I wanted to do and be able to provide leadership for the entirety of our HR function. So those are some of the things that I did to be able to prepare me to be able to do this role now.
0: Wow. couple things that I heard that were really, um, I, I didn't know this about, I did know you had a, a, a love-hate with mathematics, but what I was struck by is that you took it on. And that is something that not a lot of people would do. They would avoid it. What is in you and maybe what's in you that you would, <clears throat> that you would say to others that they might learn from that made you go for it.
1: What's in me, I think, is just the curiosity about what's possible. Like I I will say, my parents instilled in me when I was very young, just try. You might not be able to do any and everything, but if you're at least curious about it, try it. Maybe somebody else is more equipped to do it, but don't sell yourself short, because you just never know. That's what my dad used to say, you just never know, give it a shot. And so luckily for me, I also had the gift of great mentors and great leaders to say, you know, you have a lot of potential, give it a shot. And so I just had this this, this thing inside me that just at a very young age, and I carried it through, I'm gonna be willing to just sort of step out there, do what may be unpopular, it may not be the most glamorous thing to do, but I'm gonna give it a shot because of the one thing that I am driven by, the desire to learn something. Even if I'm not good at it. I learned something, even if I learn, this might be well positioned for somebody else to do. So that is the thing that compels me to wanna just give it a shot. I love learning things. And so I would encourage anyone that may be second guessing, should I even, there's no way I could do this. This might not be built, this may not be meant for me. You know what, but you could learn something. So give it a shot anyway, just to see. And you never know. What possibility may be on the other side of that?
0: And you're driven by, first of all, you knew early on what you were driven by, that desire to learn, which is huge. And we see the stack of books behind you. And I've seen that stack of books in other views. So I don't think that's the only stack of books that you have. That you, is correct. I have. You any, are driven.
1: Yes. Any place where I am planted, I have... A stack of books. So I have a stack of books here. This is my actual workspace, and my workspace at home. I have multiple. You, I think you've seen those stacks. I have multiple <laughs> stacks at home. Um, in my mom's house, when I go visit her, she's like, "Well, you get these books out of here." I have a stack of books, um, at her house. So any place where I am planted, I love books, and it's it's just that passion for reading that I love so much. So my books are like my family. So yes. Awesome.
0: That's awesome. And you were gracious enough to read my book when it came out. Yes. And that really led us to this conversation. Because Absolutely. you shared with me, you've put into practice some of the some of the principles personally and also with your team and with other leaders at Cox. I
1: sure have. Can you yes. share
0: some of those?
1: Yes. What I loved about what I read first, it was it was such a concise message around compassion, empathy, resilience, gratitude. These are not just things about being a better leader. This is just about being a better human as you navigate this world, which helps you be a better leader because we have to connect with people in order to succeed. It's about connection. So as I was just sort of sitting uh, with this book, Andrea, I'm just like, I can go do this tomorrow. So that was the other thing I loved about what I was taking away. As I'm going through this, I can go and apply this immediately tomorrow. So here's a couple of things that I immediately put into practice. Reflection. One of the things that I think we sometimes, uh, don't necessarily spend a lot of time on is really thinking about as you're moving through day to day, really taking stock of, how are you really showing up? You know, you may think as a leader, oh, I have the best vision. I am setting expectation. Oh, we're gonna drive these results. But if you're not taking stock and really taking a step back and really thinking about, are there things that you could be modeling that are running in contradiction to what you might be espousing? And I remember when, when, so I've been reading your book, but I remember when you came and you helped and you met with my team and you were just sort of helping us work on some work together, but it sort of turned into like a mini 360 for me. And I thought, oh, this is feet. this is the gift I didn't know I needed. Um, <laughs> and that was because I'm like, oh, I thought I was showing up a certain way. And as you were collecting some of this feedback from my team, I'm like, Oh well, this isn't how I'm. I thought I was landing. I'm not modeling these things that I'm. I'm actually trying to set expectations for my team, especially as it related to just our our personal interactions with each other because we're moving so fast. So taking the time to pause, check in. One of the things that you know, as I'm reflecting, I'm like, hmm, I need to be a better listener. You know, you know, you're just moving so fast and particularly in this environment where we've become so virtual, it can feel very transactional if you're not careful. Yes, And so those were some of the immediate things around reflection, how I'm showing up as a leader and not listening to respond, but listening to connect and support and engage. It's, it's a very different thing. And so those things were, things I could immediately take in the content, but then go back and start changing the next day and also check in with my team. I had to be vulnerable with my team and just say to them, hey, first of all, thank you guys for sharing this feedback. I did. I had no idea this is the way I was showing up. I appreciate you for being candid with this, but now I have to tell you, I also need you to tell me when these things may be occurring, because I'm not always aware that this is how I'm showing up. So you are also empowered to just tell me, hey KP, this is this is how you're sort of rubbing with this. You know, I need for you to understand this because what I never wanna do is put my team in a situation where I miss the opportunity co- to collaborate with them or I miss the opportunity for great ideas because of behaviors that I could be displaying that could be shutting down just that openness because that's the kind of culture I want. I want an open culture on my team. So those were just some of the immediate things I got.
0: I want to respond to that since I was the one who inadvertently conducted this Mini 360. So <laughs> so what we so for people listening, what what I did is I conducted a, a set of interviews for your team in order to have a team building session. And we were looking for, you know, what does the team need basically, and and through that process, and as often happens, it's you know, what does the leader need to do, or what's the leader need to do differently, and this was really benign feedback. So this wasn't anything like, oh, we need to tell you something. We need really bad, you know, we can't tell Kia, but it was helpful information that they weren't coming to you and knocking on the door and saying, you know, we we need to tell you directly. And so it was helpful and you received it because you love to learn. You received it well and you said, hey, I love to to know this and I'm going to listen to you and I want you to continue to tell me this because I want to support you and I want to be a really effective team leader and I want to model that for the organization. So just all these things that you said. And that is the kind of role model as head of people for your organization, you want all leaders to do and not all do by the way in any organization not all leaders accept feedback and acknowledge feedback in that way and and you're a role model being willing to talk about that in this way but you're right it's so simple the simple reflection back on yourself and acknowledgement of what people need and and it's little stuff you know these were not big things they're little things with people who really Support you and 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 trust you as their leader, but some little things that they wanted from you.
1: That's right. And um, and the other thing, though, that I took away from not just our time together, but also what leaders need now, but it's not something that is the immediate. Like the first things I talked about were I could immediately put those into into action. But the other thing, Andrew, is this whole notion of how you talk about compassion. But also how it exists with accountability. Because oftentimes when you talk about accountability, it feels like so consequential. And, and in some instances, people use accountability to talk about something that sounds so punitive. And that's that's not it at all. It's compassion can still be about caring. Sometimes there are hard things that occur, hard decisions that have to be made, but It's all that people talk about, you have to have courage in your mindset, but you can have compassion in your heart set and how you connect with people. And that's, I think the space and and the content where you talk about that I continue to work on, that I continue to process, because I think that is a place where any leader can sort of differentiate themselves. Any organization can differentiate their culture Um, with this whole thing around how do you create workplaces where people feel connected and they feel seen and they feel like someone cares. Even in the midst of anything that could be happening outside of your organization, inside of your organization, even as you may be facing different things, still there's caring there and there's, there's just compassion. And so that is still the part of when I think about what what leaders need now, that is the work that I'm continuing to reflect upon on myself as, I again, as I take feedback from the team, as I work with other leaders. I think that could be a game changer for any organization that's looking to hire the best people. You can have the best products, you can have the best services, but you can really have the best company if you can have a culture
0: where people really
1: believe that you care.
0: So oh, then the million dollar question is, how do you get leaders and what would your advice be to leaders who've been taught for years or who have been products of cultures that say you're not supposed to share anything personal, you're not supposed to be vulnerable, you're not supposed to be personal, That's, we're overcoming the conditioning of all of that. I just finished a two-hour session with a group of hospital presidents, and they're they're studying this stuff. They're going through a workshop with what leaders need now, and they would say exactly what you just said, and yet they're they're trying to shift a culture of we don't do it that way, and they have to put in place this accountability because they've got they're changing a, a an industry that is is healthcare is undergoing huge changes. We all know that you don't have to be in healthcare to know healthcare is undergoing changes. What would your advice be to leaders around this? How how are you advising leaders at Cox?
1: Well, here's how I do it now. I mean, start with where you are. So, I mean, we all have our own individual experiences as it relates to how much we share about ourselves. Um, But we all have our own stories. So I always say start with where you are. But I also say for those of us who are in positions to influence, and that is one of the reasons why I love working here and why I've been here so long, particularly for some of our senior leaders, you are in a position to influence. So you take some of those bolder steps to be vulnerable and share their stories about your life so that you can model the way for other leaders if other leaders see you in some of these senior roles doing some of these things like you know our president talks a lot about his family some of his journey people see that and say hey wow he's doing that it is okay this is okay here this is what it's like to work at cox communications i can do this too and so it has to start with senior leaders sort of modeling that way. So I always say, start with who you are and where you are and sort of have your behaviors reinforce that access for people to be able to do that. So that is some of my coaching that I do with a lot of, particularly our executives here because of the the teams that I work with day to day. But I also use my position when I connect with employees or when I go out on my visits I try to model that directly myself. So when I'm talking with any of our supervisors who are managing some of our employees who are directly connected to the customers, I try to share my own stories. I try to encourage them to talk about this. And I try to also connect them with resources that we have so that they understand we have this available to you. And if we are doing this as a part of our content for you development-wise, know that you can do this and you are empowered to do this with your people. It is that important to us. Yes. So I think you have to I think you have to be multifaceted in how you do it because just saying it isn't going to be what turns culture. Culture, I mean if you look at all of the research on culture, there are multiple things you have to do in it. You can't just address it at the artifact level. It can't be your slogans. It can't be your, you know, your uh, visuals or things like that. It has to be the behaviors people see. If you can reinforce it through your reward structure, even better. It has to also come up through who are you hiring? Are you bringing in leaders who model this? Are you promoting those? Like, are people seeing people advance who demonstrate compassion, who care? about people. Um, that is how you sort of show that this is important and this is what you want in your spaces. That's my advice.
0: That's beautiful. And I hear you use the words model the way, and that is part of your core value system competency. What what do you call those at Cox?
1: It is. Those are a part of our empower people principles here for all of our family of companies, for all of Cox Enterprises. So Whether you are in our uh, connectivity company and communications or our automotive company or our enterprise family of company, we are about empowered people. And so model the way is one of our principles around how we show up and how we unleash potential in people. So yes, I, I, I am very proud of that. And so when we think about this space, how we model the way is very important to our people.
0: So I wanna ask you a little bit about engagement in general, but anything else that you wanna add about this before we move on to that? Anything else you wanna add about what you've learned or what you're you're teaching people about what leaders need now?
1: Just, just the final thing, I always, uh, the final thing and probably the most important, gratitude. I'm so glad you talk about gratitude um, when you are just sort of going, moving throughout the day, particularly as a leader you know, you can get busy and it's not just the big things to be grateful for. It, it's those subtle things where your teams are pulling out that discretionary energy to get that last thing done for the customer. Say thank you, but say thank you in that thank you gratitude language. So understand what that is for your people. But I'm, I love that you talked about gratitude as well.
0: And it takes humility in, on the part of the leader to do that. And it takes humility to accept the gratitude. Yes. Wonderful. Good. So we talked a few weeks ago and you pointed to a survey that you had read about loneliness. And I've been doing a lot of reading about employee engagement. The Gallup Work um, Global Workforce Study came out a month or so ago and pointed to the kind of dismal results worldwide on employee engagement. We talk about quiet quitting. now there's a term um, uh, loud quitting, where people are actively doing things counter to their companies. And it's you know it's such a, a challenging issue. You um, at Cox are a very progressive and proactive employee company as, as we're talking about. And I, I, I think my question. I think you're answering some of the question and some of the things you've said up so far. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on on this data that we're all seeing about anxiety in the workplace, loneliness in the workplace, quiet quitting. Um, what are your thoughts as the the chief people officer of a a large organization on these trends and what leaders should be doing? To keep people engaged.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I, I remember talking to you about that. Yeah. What I was reading actually it came out in May and it was from the Surgeon General, like, actually declared like a healthcare crisis, public healthcare concern about loneliness. And I thought, wow, like, that has to be. There's no way that's not coming into our workplaces. I mean, there's no way that's not. And so, as I think about that, we see a lot of companies, and we are like that. We are also working on wellness, but we are also taking it a step further. Wellness is not just, you know, something that we talk about during open enrollment. We want wellness and well-being for people infused into every part of the employment life cycle and all of these critical moments for employees so that it becomes a part of who we are and what we do as opposed to something that is just an event or something that's just sort of passive in our workspaces. Um, and it's something that I think about all the time. How do we continue to to do that? And then something that I also saw as well, talk about um, in addition to loneliness, um, more and more people are saying Um, the amount of friendships that they are having are decreasing. And a lot of this is just pointing back to connection. And so as we continue to think about how we bring our teams together, and it's not necessarily about where they are, but it's just about how do we best use our time together when we are gathering? How do we make sure we balance that time so that it is not as transactional, So while we, yes, we need to continue to focus on, you know, taking care of our customers and driving what we need to drive, but it also must include what is also equally important and that is the spirits of our people. And so how do we make sure we're continuing to use that time of gathering purposefully to also connect as individuals, what's happening. And so that's how I think about it as, Uh, a leader, particularly of the people solutions space. How do we look at those things and continue to make sure we have the right amount of support for our leaders? How How do we help them talk about things? How do we help them recognize when their employees may be going through things? Not that they are necessarily trained or are in the position to address certain types of things, but be able to know how to get help so that everyone who works here feels like they have some type of support when needed. So those are the things when when I look at those kind of statistics, I think there is work for us here. We just have to continue to figure out how to move those things from moments to who we are. And again, a way to have what you offer in by way of the value proposition you provide to potential employees and how you retain people to really make your workplace very special.
0: And you certainly have created at Cox a very special workplace, Kia. You and all the people who've come before you and those who work with you.
1: Thank you. It's been a remarkable place to work.
0: Yes, it is. This has been an absolute delight talking to you. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to share with with leaders who are listening, uh, other professionals who are listening today before we close?
1: Uh, Just, I guess, uh, just some final thoughts. Um, Again, I certainly enjoyed um, this work that you've done, Andrew. My team, we are still working on it. I mean, we've done, you know, I told you, we've done book clubs on uh, what leaders need now because we are, I mean, we're really passionate about taking care of each other. Um, My team knows, you know, in fact, I think one of them just bought me a jersey. I'm all about same jersey. We're in this together because it's really about how do we take stock of who we are, reflect, how do we show empathy for each other, how how do we just express our gratitude to each other? How do we, again, the things are going to continue to evolve, but how do we have the courage and the gumption to continue to move forward, help the business, but also take care of the great employees who choose to, wake up every day and choose Cox as a place to work. We are well the mission in that regard and we wanna be a good people solutions team. And so I encourage every leader when you think about the vision and creating meaning meaningfulness for your team, how you come from that space of compassion, empathy, and gratitude to think about how you may, might make a difference in the work that you do. So those are my final thoughts. Thank you for sharing that message. Welcome. Thank you for having me
0: today. It's been fun. Kia, what a treat this has been. Your wisdom and insights are profound. You started by sharing that you're driven by your love of learning. And that came out in everything you said today. And I really appreciate you sharing that. And I know our listeners will will appreciate that as well. I want to thank our listeners for joining us. I encourage you to subscribe to our podcast by hitting the subscribe button below. You can find more podcasts, articles, and programs at whatleadersneednow.com to help you in your leadership journey. Have an incredible day.